Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Maker That Money, episode 24, the show where we talk about taking your hobby to your jobby. That's uh, courtesy of our guest today. <laughs> Mr. Flowalistic, Mr. Agustin Arroyo is with us. Very excited uh, uh, for that. Um, greetings to everybody who joins us live on YouTube uh, in the chat. We are here every Friday at 9 a.m. Uh, if you're listening back to the podcast after the fact and you want to jump on and uh, feed us comments and questions for our guests, that's how you do it. We also have our lovely uh, Colin link up above and you can use your phone, your computer, any uh, any of your stuff for that if you want to hop on and join the conversation as well. Augustine, welcome, my friend. Thank you so much. Join us from España today. Yes. By the way, you're on the top five people, non-speak, non-Spanish people that knows how to pronounce my name. So super happy to be here. <laughs> really excited to be talking about being a maker and how you can maybe transition to to a professional career. So yes, really oh, happy man. to be here with both of you. Yeah, awesome. awesome. And then also with us, as always, Mr. Andrew Mayhall of 3D Gloop fame, king of the empire of sticky. <laughs> Welcome. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm uh, I'm absolutely fantastic. It's been a great week. Uh, it's been a busier week than I expected. I did a little bit of uh, impromptu travel for those following on the Twitters. Even I had away a, some printers, eh? Oh, I had <laughs> such a great week hanging with Joel. It was just supposed to be Tuesday, Wednesday, but when you look at how long the drive, it's mm -hmm. 700, it's almost 800 miles to Seattle from where I am. Uh, and so there was a lot of driving involved as well, but it was well worth it. Joel and I had a ton of fun. We gave away a dozen printers to a dozen different makers, uh, and it was just so, uh, just such a fantastic uh, experience. And you know, I, I don't envy Joel in that it's such a it's such a uh, funny problem to have to be buried in machines, right? That are being he's like, I just can't get them out of here fast enough. He prints with them, but. Uh, he has such a good opportunity to uh, just spread the love, and we love our 3D printing nerd very much. So it was fun to do that. What about you guys? We like to, Augustine, we like to start the show uh, talking about our wins from the week, things that we uh, that were positive that happened. So think about something that maybe was just a great thing that happened to you this week, and then we're going to put you on the spot and you get to share it. Any Anything come to mind for you? Well, I can't show anything, but I'm quite happy with the content I'm, I've been creating at work. And w when you have more ideas than time, that's positive. Uh, and For yeah, sure. I prioritized what I'm going to be working on in the next month. And it's really exciting at Meiku. So yes, stay tuned on that because... I'm awesome. back on track on making content. So, so just uh, so you can elaborate a little bit more, you talk about your job, but for those that don't know your job, you do work for Meiku. And tell people really quick what that is if they don't know. Okay, Meiku is a company that started on a Kickstarter campaign making a desktop vacuum forming machine, the Formbox, mm -hmm. six years ago. And now it's a proper company. I worked for them. Um, at Meiku uh, from Spain, although they are based in the UK. And we recently launched the Meiku Multiplier, which is a desktop pressure forming machine. So massive machine, great quality, made small. And after lots of planning, we are manufacturing it and I'm working on some exciting content around it. That's uh, fantastic. That's everything I can say. That's awesome. <laughs> we know how that works, but I'm excited. I know I've got one on order. If you guys aren't familiar with uh, vacuum forming and pressure forming and what that can do, I definitely recommend taking a look at it. I think it's a fantastic tool. And like um, a lot of things, it's such a great time to be in a, a maker and even a, a maker that might be considering transitioning into a, a business because we have these tools now that are available to us like the multiplier and like 3D printers and laser cutters and whatnot that are so unbelievably affordable compared to what it was only 10 years ago, right? And so now we have desktop water jetting, we have desktop pressure forming, we have desktop 3D printing, and it's just incredible uh, the amount of opportunity. So like like you, like you said, Augustine said it really well. Um, it's great when you have more ideas than you do time sometimes. And <laughs> when we translate the, that to opportunity for business, I mean, it's just incredible. It's like, how do you pick, right? And we're going to talk more about that today, right? How do we how do we take a good design and understand if it, it's going to be a good product? Uh, that's that's kind of the, the bulk of the conversation uh, today. But pause on that for a second. 
Let's hear Andrew's wins for the week because I know he's got some. Oh, Come gosh. on, <laughs> pick, you got to pick one, buddy, because you're just, just oh no, tacking no, up the no, dubs. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, this week has been uh, the start of the week was challenging, but uh, I think uh, here towards the end of the week, um, you know, a lot of a lot of just awesome connections with new people. Um, getting to know new people and and networking and and building um, a really awesome network of you know awesome makers out there. Um, so uh, that's awesome you know, to hear. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's part of what this is about too. I think that um, you know when you look at setting out and starting a business, a lot of times we don't think about how important those connections actually be uh, actually are because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. that's that's all oftentimes where a lot of the best opportunities a lot. Uh, you know, line. And we always say, you know, we can do things better together. Oftentimes, I, I don't know, I think everybody operates different, I tend to operate better as a team. And so I look yes. at a lot of the other makers out there, collaborators and stuff like that as opportunities to do that. And then I, I derive a lot of energy from that. So even if it's not a direct partnership, taking mm-hmm. the time to have these conversations, making sure that we're connecting is so critical in this day and age, right? So good on you yep. for, for focusing on some of that this week. That's great. So, uh, that said, let's pivot for a, for a second. Let's get <laughs> let's dive in on the meat and potatoes, though, of uh, of today. Talking about product design, design in general, and I, the, really, we could not have a better guest for this. If you guys aren't f- familiar with Flowlistic, you've probably come across his designs uh, and not even realized it. He's very prolific in the 3D printing community. Obviously, you've probably seen a lot of his low poly models. He, mm-hmm. uh, Augustine, you've been posting stuff too what uh thingiverse and all the the, the shares for for everywhere. years years right I'm i mean everywhere yeah yes <laughs> yeah do you I, I don't know if you have any of your goodies and stuff handy with you right now or, or close at hand but uh you know like i said if you haven't fought if you're not following him on twitter or look at his link tree i've got that in the description uh you can check out his new website which is awesome and you can really get a good feel this guy has an amazing eye for design and he is just such an awesome human for sharing so many of those cool designs with us. Um, mm-hmm. Flowalistic, talk for a moment <laughs> about your approach to design and and the difference between you know that that which you just you have an idea how you get that inspiration and that which you do for fun and then and then we're going to talk about maybe the difference between that fun stuff and then product and work stuff. Yes, so th- th- there, there are two main approaches. Like, let's say, well, there are infinite approaches, but as a hobbyist, which I am, I've been, and I will be, um, I have a challenge and I tend to overcomplicate everything, like trying to find the most complicated solution and I have fun during the process. And once I'm done, like I've solved the problem, I forget about it and move to the next thing, um, which is what we all do. But when when you have the same tools, but you have a an entrepreneurial mindset. Mm-hmm. What you do is you find a problem and you try to solve it on the on the long term while you find sustainability. Like you need to find a solution yeah. and then see, hey, can I share this solution without going bankrupt? <laughs> yes, no, <laughs> maybe. But the, the process is is almost the same in my case. I've shared many I think I've shared around 100 designs since I got into 3D printing. Next year, it will be 10 years because I was a student back then. 10 years. All right. Yes, 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 yes. Old school, (laughs) suffering, assembling my first 3D printer. But what (laughs) I first started doing was like, I have a problem. I want to have fun and and I design something and share it Mm -hmm. because that's we need that. We need more than that. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. we know we we all do business, and we know where's the limit on. I want to share, uh, but it could hurt my business. Yep. Um, but once once you start having clients, I'm not an industrial designer. I'm a generalist designer. You could put it that way. I do a bit of everything, but I'm not good at. Uh, Any he, of them? You're being modest, okay? <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah, you've no. seen you've seen this, guys. Right? Literally, literally, go to uh, it's what it's, is it? Flowlistics.com. Next com? level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, just your eye for it because I, I'm jealous. That's, that is something that I struggle with when I look at the aesthetic of things and just your use mm-hmm. of of white white space and good photography and you know, absolutely, you're you're looking at problem solving. You're looking at stuff like that, but a lot of it is just fun and beautiful. And so you you have a nice 
combination of the artistic and the functional uh, in your in your portfolio. Uh, and obviously, like you said, you have a deep background. You were you were a student for a long time. You've been a freelance designer, right? A free, uh, what would yeah. you what would you call it? a freelancer for for quite some time as well, yeah. right? So yeah, 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 a lot of experience. Yeah, lots of experience. But at the same time, I know my photography skills aren't bad, or they are even good. Design skills the same. But then you compare to a specialist, someone that is good at one thing, but they do that they're top three in the world and then you say okay maybe i should focus but i i kind of prefer being a generalist rather than a specialist but it's um it's amazing because by being a generalist i need to have a lot of resources especially when doing research when when trying to find solutions because i know uh i've tried getting into electronics for a long time for example i have too many yeah. arduinos but <laughs> i know nothing about them but then I know an expert, but they're like, yeah, I have the solution, but I don't know how to 3D model the enclosure, for example. And it's sure. like, I can help with that. And it's I, hobbyists, we, we are generalists. And and the like when, when you start a business, you need to start specializing because one of yeah. the things I usually recommend is to niche down, to simplify, mm -hmm. to focus on one problem and be the best one in the world to solve it. Right. It can be simple. It can be complex, and and I think that's that's the mindset change when when you go from from hobby to real job. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it is, and I think it's probably one of the biggest challenges. Andrew, I don't know if you can speak to this, but it's like taking. I always say, you know, maker pooch and business pooch are are very much <laughs> uh, at odds yes. with each other all the time because you know that which you know we came to this space that we're passionate about. Uh, mm -hmm. is not always compatible with the business side of things. So, you know, what, I mean, do you do you relate to that, Andrew? How does that feel for you? Oh, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, here here at Gloop, we're constantly, you know, we're we're coming up with with new formulations or you know new potential things, and it's just like, oh, well, you know, hey, this could be its own monster thing in itself, and it's like, well, we want to chase that, but it's like, well, wait, we we're focused on three D printing adhesives. We got to stay focused on three D printing adhesives right now. Man, <laughs> it's a constant battle. Just putting those guardrails. <laughs> up for yourself sometimes and then like I, yep. the way I like to try to look at it and I'm terrible at it still but is like you reward yourself oftentimes with you know success on some sustainability piece or some good business piece with okay now I get to, to reward myself with some a new design that I want to work on or make sure that I spend you know a little bit of time every week just fueling the creative fires and stuff as well Augustine, how do you balance that out yourself? Because obviously when you're focusing on business and that which makes you money, a lot of times that probably feels like it's taking away from your creative mindset, right? Yeah. Well, it's in my case, uh, I want to be transparent. Uh, I haven't been the best one um, when managing my free time. Uh, <laughs> because, for example, as a maker, I tried to make a career and, and I was successful on that. But at the same time, during many years, I struggled. Like I need to share one new project every couple of weeks or every week, yeah. Because if uh... not, I'm going to to be forgotten. And it, I think, it wasn't until last year, until lockdown, that I told myself, okay, how many things you can stop doing from everything I was doing without having a direct impact on on my income? Because at the end of the month, I need to pay rent, for example. Right. And I realized that. I was maybe spending 60% of my free time doing projects that gave me zero income. And, and even though I enjoyed making them, there was the stress of deadlines and sharing. Sure. And you can see that's clearly on my social media because that was a reflection of on how intense I was. Mm. And at some point, I was like, okay, no more professional social media management. Let's mm. take it easy, have fun. And and since then I've changed quite a bit and and I'm really happy about that. But That's being great. a maker, it's it's difficult to tell yourself you need to slow down and you need to focus on one thing because sure we love m making random stuff. But of course, if you have a business, your like your business personality will will say let's not share this because it could become a product at some point. 99% of the time that gets abandoned. Someone else makes it 10 years later and you're like, 
I had that idea. They should pay me. It's our fault, of course, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. finding the right balance. It's like anything on in in our lives. There's right. no. It's it's not unique to the three D printing industry. No, <laughs> no, it's it's certainly absolutely not. not. <laughs> you said some really uh really great little nuggets. I wanted to just dig in on or highlight really quick. One the 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 need to stay relevant or the feeling that if I don't put stuff out on social media on a regular basis or, or on my website or however you get in front of your, your people, um, that is such, I think that's relatable. You know, anybody in the chat right now can probably completely agree. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we find each other in this space, you know, in this day and age. And, um, it's, it's very easy to just fall out of people's feed if you're not producing stuff. You know, it's like, yeah, there's a there's a balance, and some of us are just doing it for fun, and that's great. And others are like trying to make sure that you know you're you're staying in the conversation about stuff because you you want to get some traction with your. I think it's an important thing to do. Um, <clears throat> I know that a lot. Excuse me, a lot of times, um, the social media stuff is, is some of the first to go for a lot of people when we get busy because we don't see an immediate impact in the same way. But that, I think that's a dangerous road to walk because it is very critical for sales and marketing these days. And we've yes. kind of touched on that in the past. So striking a balance there is also, but but I, I completely relate to what you're saying because when you look at what are the things that I'm doing every day that are moving the needle as far as bringing mm-hmm. in revenue, right? Yep. And yes. and you need to favor a lot of that because obviously we need that, that coming in, but you can't lose sight of that, what I call the long tail, Right. There's long tail branding efforts and things like that, that 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 position you in the space that make people familiar with your brand. And it's um, they're they're different animals. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of the trade show stuff that I do, like it's not an immediate moneymaker. We don't sell a ton of product at those things, but it's very valuable to be there, have the conversations, do the network, make sure the brand is in front of the people. And I think it's similar uh, for social media. A lot of people use it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. We have a question for you, Flowlistic, in the uh, in the chat from our uh, very own uh, Jeff Wright, uh, Ransom Makes on all the social medias. He goes, he asks, uh, "Are there any plans for more of your cardboard recycle pulpit mold designs? You did a, a you remember doing that a while back, right?" Yes, uh, yes, of course, I remember it because it's one of my, <laughs> I would say, top three favorite projects ever. Like, it worked. Like, I had an idea. I said, "This may work." Yeah. And it actually works. Uh, so I have so many ideas. I have I have here a a some drafts on, in in one of my drawers. Yeah. The idea is to share more of those designs in the near future, and and the goal with this is to enable people to to make recycled cardboard products and sell them. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's difficult to scale that, but as a first approach to Starting your own business, it could be interesting, especially for kids, for example, because you have fun making the products and then if you can make some mm-hmm. money, that's always welcome. So if it's one of my top priorities to make new designs for that project because I want it to stay alive. That's that's really great that's to hear. Great. And I think it's a really interesting opportunity, especially in this day and age, because we are all like, I, I don't know how it is for you in, in Spain, but here, everybody, I feel buried in cardboard all the time. It feels like <laughs> this material that we're just like, can't get rid of it fast enough. And I think there's a huge opportunity, whether yes. it's just for making, you know, what you did there. And I'm, I'm looking at it as it relates to my business. And when I've priced just getting the packaging, you know, the molded pulp packaging corners, those are expensive, you know, and it's like, yes. I want to do the right thing. I want to use sustainable, recyclable material, but we really need somebody to spearhead that, bring the cost down and really, you know, focus on, on getting us some stuff, whether it's for that or whether it's for artistic project, because we don't want to put plastic in the landfill and we can make these really cool designs by just making a a pulp and using a binding agent and and running it through an extruder, just like we do with 3D printing. Really cool ideas. Lots of opportunity there, guys. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah. great. We should try. Everyone should try it. At least like every school should do one uh, recycle a cardboard recycling challenge every year with their students, even though <laughs> it doesn't like it's it's what you mentioned about uh, social media. For example, mm. you do something today, and you won't see the results tomorrow. But by educating young kids to recycle, yeah, then you you have a the, the mindset changes. 
maybe not in mm -hmm. five years, maybe in 10 or 15, but we are going in the right direction and, and you also have fun. But many of my 3D printable projects, um, it's like unique designs you make and that's pretty much it. But yep. it's good to, it was great to make a project where you 3D print a tool to make a product. So the 3D printed item is not the final product, but it's a tool uh, within a very long process. Yeah. And that's rewarding too. Absolutely. And and we really need, uh, you know, that change in mindset in this day and age as we, you know, need to be better stewards mm -hmm. to the environment and stuff like that. And so what a great opportunity, right? Like you, you can literally pe get people to give you, you would be buried in cardboard if you just wanted that raw material. Yeah. You know, so I've I've said this to it's Andrew a so number much, of times. So much. Like complete <laughs> other I I could write a business plan right now on just collecting Amazon boxes and turning them into something else. You I don't know if you got your start, uh, Augustine, on on the original CAD cardboard assisted design, but like a lot of the stuff that <laughs> You know, I've mocked up before. I'll cut out with cardboard and try to put put it together. And a lot of kids will do, you know, modeling in that way. It's such a fun material uh, for that yes. because it's so ubiquitous and uh, it's stiff enough. Mm -hmm. and, and, you it's, know, it's great to work it's with. It's an incredible material. Yes. And you can cut it with a cutter. So it's easy. And you can also laser cut it. Yep. I can still smell the, the, the smell <laughs> of laser cut cardboard because I was a year <laughs> at a laser cutting studio. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It was terrible, but it's such a great material. One of the yep. things I've done uh, in the past, I've I, I've been lucky enough to be able to take some three D printers to my kids' school, and and show off some stuff. But when I'm I'm trying to explain the concept of slicing, I would take some cardboard and cut layers, and then put together like you know something simple like a globe or or you know something with yeah. some topography. But that really drives home the 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 point of the layer. And there was a plugin for Fusion a while back where you could actually take a model one two three D. Yes, yes, I remember yep. it. Yes, yeah, uh, and, and there's other tools too. Check it out. It's a neat way to, to do that where it'll actually give you each of the layer stencils, if you will, and you can then you know glue it together. Great way to get kids thinking about layering and, and how three-dimensional shapes yeah. are put together. So um, um, on that note, you want to talk a little bit about your background in education as a student and because you've done some classes as well uh, for, for Domestica. Is that, am I saying that right? Yes, I don't know. yes, yes. That's come, well... Yes, it's a long story, but well, no, I, I'm going to share the short version. Okay. Basically, after after many years in the 3D printing industry, um, I I started collaborating with an online platform that started in Spain and it was in Spanish, but now it's massive and global called Domestica, and I made three different 3D printing courses uh, with them in Spanish, but with subtitles in many different languages. Um, and one is about introduction to 3D printing. The other one is, um, and it's the most uh, interesting one, I would say, for people that already have a 3D printer, which is about product design with 3D printing. And then I have one around um, 3D printing for architecture models, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I also teach at a local university here in Madrid um, to 3D printing to architecture students, so they can get away from laser cutting and cutting with their own hands and they can move to something a little bit more modern, yeah. uh, which is 3D printing. <laughs> That's I awesome. mean, very cool. I, we had a good, a good question in the chat uh, about, um, you know, if you have a summary somewhere of all the 3D printing courses or where should they go if they want to learn more about the courses that you've done in the past? Well, you go to flowalistic.com and yes. click on the learn section and there you get links to all my courses. <laughs> um, more nice. inf yeah, 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 I did my website recently and I knew I had to gather all the educational content in one single place. But I, I will also update it soon with other resources because as a freelancer, I focus mostly on, on educational content. And I've done some slicing uh, content with DC and 3D, for example. Mm -hmm. And with Make I've done guides on vacuum forming. So, yes, there's a lot. Lots of content scattered. Yeah, across all the internet. And I, I love your stuff. You do a great job. The production quality is fantastic uh, on on a lot of that. I've seen the domestic courses and stuff like, or, or mm -hmm. at least the ones that you've shared. I know that uh, those are monetized, right? You're you're trying to get people to subscribe yes. subscribe to that. But I, I have seen some snippets of that, and obviously the 
the quality of the you know the sets they put together and the production value is just top notch yes. guys so make yes. sure you take a look uh, the links in the description but flowlistic.com with a k flowlistic um has mm-hmm. just a ton of stuff and you can see just looking at his website too just his eye for you know clean minimalist design the guy knows what he's talking about so uh, go go check it out um the you, you mentioned product design right and then we're talking about mm-hmm. that you know yes. more specifically today because that's such a challenge i think the, one of the number one things people search for uh or, or we, we you know always seem to to do well on social media is like how do i make money with my 3d printer right mm-hmm. we've talked about this yes. before people uh they get the tool almost before they have the idea and then they're trying to work backwards <laughs> into how do i pay for this thing right and so Let's talk for a second about finding inspiration for a pro. You 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 know you started with it like find a problem right, but what mm-hmm. else is part of the process for for really convincing yourself that this is a good idea and how do you refine the design for it to make it ready to sell? It's a it's an interesting journey because of course when not all products can be three D printed and not always you will want to three D print right. in most cases you use like a an entry-level 3D printer to prototype and to validate your concepts. Um, but everything starts way before that, that um, development stage. You need to have a problem or identify a, a need on, on a specific market. And then you may choose 3D printing or other technologies to create the solution. I think what most of us, um, the mistake we, we, we most... Um, suffer in these industries, we think people want to buy 3D printed products. They don't mm. want 3D printed products. We don't usually care about the material unless it's something, unless it mm. has some specific properties like being flexible, like rubbery texture. Right. Or or if it's mm-hmm. wood, you want a specific type of wood. Yeah. People want a product and they don't really care if it's 3D printed or not. That's why I mentioned you need to niche down when you want to find a product because I did a lot of research on companies using 3D printing to make mm-hmm. products, mm-hmm. like established mm-hmm. companies. And you too may have replied to that tweet last year, but you of course don't remember. But I was amazed by, by the companies that, and small companies in most cases, yeah. that use 3D printing to make incredible products. But in most cases, they don't even say they are 3D printed because they know their audience isn't interested in the manufacturing process, although in some mm-hmm. cases they share it because it's interesting. It has some value from a marketing point of view, for example, because sure. Sure. we are we are bored about 3D printing, but on the media, it's still something, wow. Let's remember 3D printing was <laughs> before virtual reality and Bitcoin. So it was on that mm-hmm. level at some point. Right. Well, not not just uh, do the does the customer not really care. It it's not necessarily the way it's always going to be produced for you. Like we use it now because mm-hmm. it is one of the best ways for us to affordably create parts that we can implement continual improvement on. Right. I don't mm-hmm. have to invest in having a bunch of molds made or something like that. It's not always that way for every product. But you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I think that the focus has become so much on this sexy tool. With like, no, <laughs> nobody talks about anything like in furniture. Oh, I used a, a router. I used this router for this, or I used this yeah, table exactly. saw. You know, the tool doesn't get the focus in the same way because it's not like this high tech, exciting piece. And I, I think we're, you know, we're starting to get to a point where I think maybe that's fading. But 3D printing is always stated in the. Um, uh, in the news, I think a lot of the time because of of how it's being used and how quickly and readily and cheaply you can now start producing things that are that can either be product ready, you know, that's not just for mm-hmm. prototyping. You can create production grade parts depending on what it is. Uh, so it's yeah. it's just kind of exists in a weird space like no other tool. Uh, which which is what makes it fun, but also uh, can lead companies down this road where you're trying to force you know, the product into the machine versus focusing on what's the best way to make this thing or to solve this problem, like uh, a flowistic is talking about. Yeah. So, so spending some time to just identifying and identify a niche and a problem, that's, that's probably easier said than done. I, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's mindsets that have it like I can sit down probably on a daily basis and identify like 50 different problems. No problem. But I think a lot of people have uh, a hard time being uh, maybe talking themselves out of it. So, you know, 
do you have any tips for seeking inspiration for product? Um, uh, you know, how, how do you get your mind in that mindset for identifying these things? Cause not everybody's mind works that way. Yeah. Well, it, there's an easy solution. <laughs> Go Take for a it. step back outside the maker community, because we all share a common mindsets on, on trying to find problems where sometimes there isn't even a problem, but as, as soon as you meet with a friend, school friend that isn't into 3D printing. He doesn't care about it, but he's, for example, into old cars and he wants to make custom parts for his cars. He's like, hey, can you help me with this? And it's like, okay, yes, yes. And, and you start realizing there may be a business opportunity and you will search, hey, how many Mazda, uh, the Miata, the MX-5? Mm-hmm. That's, there, there's a huge community and I know there are companies making 3D printed accessories for the older versions. That's that's no secret, by the way. That's what mm-hmm. someone replied. And and that's a niche because you have one car manufacturer, five different models, mm-hmm. of course, because it's yeah. a very old car. Um, and then you have a niche and you identify what parts aren't manufactured anymore. And, and that yeah. way you suddenly have a friend mm-hmm. that's not into 3D printing that just got you, just opened you the door to a huge market. Absolutely. Because as it's a niche, you can... And 3D printing, it's usually small parts you can mm-hmm. make whenever you want. So you don't even need to have stock and you can ship them anywhere you want. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's the mindset. Get outside of the maker community. In the maker community, all the problems have been solved already. <laughs> ah, ah, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stab at you because I hate that saying. That's a very common, like any, any significant thing that's been invented. No, but I think your point is well taken that it's the approach that you go about. Like, think about what other spaces that you're in. Don't get so locked into like, I have this 3D printer. How do I make money with it? What else are you passionate about? Maybe you're into cycling. Maybe you're into RVs and uh, mm-hmm. uh, off-roading or whatever. There's like a million di- music, right? We see all these fantastic little niche where where people are using printed parts for designing all kinds of enhancements and stuff. So, you know, look at these communities that are out there and leverage the community in a way that if you if you have the problem, somebody else in this community probably does as well. Like, I don't know, say you're into like uh, playing the flute and you realize like, I don't have a great, I don't want to keep it in my case. I want a nice stand for it or so I want to be able to hang it on my wall. So you create a bracket and then all of a sudden all the other flautists out there mm-hmm. are like, this is amazing. I want to display my flute on, you know, above the, ma- I don't know. I'm just, I'm riffing here, <laughs> but you get the idea, right? Because it's, it's, it's finding that problem and getting other people excited about it. And then now you've got a marketing channel as well, right? So, mm-hmm. so maybe, maybe yeah. start from the, where are the people? Where are the eyeballs, right? Where are the, and, and then work backwards into the problem. I guarantee you, there's so many things you come across in your daily life that you probably, uh, if you stop and think about it, would be a great product. Uh, Andrew, well, I don't know. Where do you get your inspiration? <laughs> Gee, I don't know, really. Um, <laughs> you know, my, for for what we do, um, you know, we, we make adhesives and it's kind of a boring sort of thing um, where where a lot of the inspiration comes from, I, I guess, for us is uh, trying to support that maker community, um, figuring out, you know, what they are actually using their prints for. Um, you know, uh, I think I shared this a, a while ago, but we had, uh, you know, we're starting to transition from more so dealing directly with customers with dealing with small and medium sized businesses where they are leveraging that 3D printing, that manufacturing process to build products. Um, a few of them are making tools or additions to like power tools and they would need to print parts in multiple pieces and then glue them together. And so that's where, you know, uh, kind of our inspiration is coming from. We, we are looking at all of these other problems um, out there where companies are leveraging this 3D printing technology and they are having these these issues like, oh, hey, how do we how do we make these really complex geometry and then make it fit together without using a bunch of fasteners or uh, other crazy designs? So you know <laughs> listen if you guys backwards, but... if you guys are serious about finding idea you hit me slide into my dms right and i will just feed you <laughs> problems that i've got an idea and i bet we could all do that what's funny is i run into like what becomes like a, a product inception or problem inception issue where it's like 
I uh, wanted to be able to 3D print parts for the product, that I made, the rep box that we make. And I wanted to be able to do that at volume. And we've got a great Prusa farm that we use for a lot of that. And I've started to do more and more belt printing, which I everybody knows I get excited about belt printing because I just, uh, I, I'm in a very expensive labor market and anything I can do to automate the process is fantastic. And I want to learn more about that technology. And if I can just put a bin underneath my printer and have it continuously poop out parts, then, you know, that's <laughs> awesome. But what's funny was I realized that while I was doing this, like, yeah, the belt printers that were available and affordable were lacking a lot of stuff. And so I started finding problems with the tools that I was using. And then I started making kits for that. And so we're, we're going deeper and deeper away from the original thing that I set out to do. And now we have a whole product segment in just upgrading belt printers and, uh, that, that, you know, I never expected to. So it's like you kind of go down the rabbit hole, as it were. Yep. And um, you may be wrong at first. It, you might start with a product and you realize, uh, we've talked about this in the past, Andrew, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, that it doesn't do as well as you thought. Or maybe you're ahead of your time. Or maybe there's too much competition and it's not practical. Big deal, right? Pivot. Uh, that mm-hmm. We have these tools now that allow us to pivot so easily, right? And so it's okay to be wrong. Fail fast is a thing. Like if you decide that you're going to give it a go and it doesn't work, like that's not, that does, it only is a failure if you stop, if you give up, right? It doesn't mean that you're not going to find it. But a lot of times going after it will just mm-hmm. reveal newer, bigger, different ideas, right? And, and, it, and it just compounds on itself. I don't know. Have you guys experienced anything like that where you started doing one thing and then you kind of, actually, this is a much better idea for that. It's always happens, right? And and that's one of the advantages of 3D printing. Yep. You, you don't need to have stock in, if you start with a simple, like we overcomplicate ourselves, but if you start with a simple <laughs> 3D printed object that acts as a product on itself and it's easy to 3D print, yeah. you don't even need to have stock. So as soon as one customer says, hey, maybe you could try this different version yeah. or or modify the size or whatever, then you can go to the CAD software, update it and, and release the version 1.1 within hours uh, compared to mass manufacturing injection molding where, yeah, let's write this down and next year with the plus version or the pro version, we will fix it. So we are much more agile when, when solving problems yes. and that's something the community really likes. But it mm-hmm. always happens. We all, we, on my, on my latest uh, online course around product development, one thing I say is if you know 3D printing and, for example, you want to prototype, let's say, I, have, I don't know, this bottle of water I have with me, it may be the case that I make it using an ugly filament. I simply validate the model and then I make some high quality renders and that's what I post online. I don't even bother 3D printing it with the best quality or the final quality, taking mm-hmm. pictures, editing mm-hmm. them, prepare some listings. Like, let's go straight to marketing, launch it, launch that product, if you know it works, without yes. doing the, all these small details because we need to be agile and answer to the market needs. That's so right. It's 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 hilarious because you know that's what we kind of did with with Gloop. We we are still to this day using photos that we took in a garage with homemade labels on our bottles and you know everything else on our website because it was what we could do quickly to see if it was actually going to work. And then when it started working, we just kept running with it. And you know, four years later, we're still, you know, <laughs> showing like, and demonstrating yeah. these things. But you know, the product has changed drastically. Right. Um so so yeah, I I love that. You know, that it's that great it's a great mentality to have we talked about this a, a two was it two weeks ago with minimum viable product that mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of times we get we we start focusing on the wrong things uh we yeah. talked at the top of the show i've said i'm a web developer and i it was a really hard thing for me to just like not build out my own custom website because that's not really what my focus needs to be so when we you know same thing with your labels andrew um, yep. as much as I'm sure you wish you, you had a new whiz bang label, it's not really the important part of it. You know, you, you're focused, your energy, given the limited time and funds and stuff you've got, the label's fine. Right. And so we, mm-hmm. we kind of go through these things. That's the flip side. Hack monkey in the chat brings up a really, really good point. Uh, and I want to know what your guys thoughts are. The overhead in sharing 
is his main hurdle. It takes three to four times to share versus just doing the thing. And I think he's talking about if you're filming a video or if you're trying to you know, go through the process and you want to share. And I think a lot of that comes down to, well, what's your goal, right? If you just want to build up your YouTube channel, if you want, if this is a product, you know, determining what the worth of that share actually is and asking yourself, does it need to take that long? Like, can you just set up a GoPro and uh, record a time lapse of it, or do you need to have a curated, edited video? What do you think? It's a tough answer because, um, like, for example, this is this is something that that happens at Meiku. We are it's a it's an established company, and and we have amazing content. But for let's say technical support for the help center. We are always discussing how how much will our customers care about having a perfect table or just focusing on the problem and solving it. Right. You need to decide. But on social media, unfortunately, customers are expect an amazing quality, like Apple quality or yeah, Tesla yeah. quality, yeah. and that's frustrating because small businesses struggle. And I think what TikTok has 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 done to the societies to bring back being natural. And now, and it happened yeah. to me on social media, yeah. customers now prefer to the companies to be authentic and transparent, like, hey, it's me and I'm making chocolates or I'm making adhesives, but it's mm -hmm. a person behind it rather yes. than having perfect packaging pictures. Yes. Because that's not what matters. The market is shifting and and one thing we we miss in the maker industry a lot that's changing. Mm -hmm. When when we say the maker, in, of course, the maker industry is a male-dominated field. There's not enough diversity. But mm -hmm. when you bring diversity, you also bring other backgrounds and mindsets and and yeah. skills. Mm -hmm. And then is when we will learn. You we are overcomplicating, because if we bring a marketing yeah. expert. Yeah. They will say, oh, no, just launch this. It's good enough. And for TikTok, let's make two videos a day. And that's pretty much it. And we were thinking, oh, I already hired that photographer to take the pictures of the packaging no one will care about. Yeah. And, good and good enough yeah. is the mm -hmm. worst phrase for makers a lot of time because nothing will ever feel good enough I mean, tell yeah. me how that resonates with you guys in the chat but i mean i know i personally <laughs> and, and i think a lot of times because we wrap our ego and our identity up in what we're designing right we feel like we are being judged by what we are putting out yeah. there and and mm -hmm. that is it is a hard thing to check but you got to check it because at the end of the day you're absolutely right the, the reason we see the rise of TikTok and all that one one because people just don't have attention span anymore but two it's uh uh it, it's absolutely right it's very authentic it's it's gorilla I, I don't know what you want to call it but it's like i i know i love it i i want to see real people using this thing um and i know that anybody can stage you know they can make perfect renderings and they can you know uh, I, I, when I'm taking product photos, I do the exact same thing. I'm taking the picture and then there's like a water bottle in the background. I'm like, ah, crap. Now I got to retake the picture and move the way. And then I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, who cares? You, you get better the more that you do it. But, uh, Simona, uh, in the, uh, chat had a, uh, ciao, Simone, uh, had a fantastic, uh, point with rendering, obviously like we, we we're already doing the CAD for the design and stuff like that. Maybe learn a little bit more rendering. Uh, I I've been moving toward that with with our stuff because we're changing the design so rapidly that it's so disruptive to have to shoot a new video or shoot a new photo. And I think as long as you're clear that you know, hey, I'm showing you a rendering and stuff. For the most part, like people are just interested in the functionality uh, of it, and you can still take some stills and stuff. So maybe a combination of the two. But yeah, utilize some digital tool sets that allow you to not spend three to four times sometimes like think outside the box and maybe just don't care mm -hmm. as much because it is good enough. Like at the end of the day, you've got a limited window. You can get in front of people. You need to get it out there. You need them to see it. And, and you're far better off putting a subpar quality photo out there and it just getting out there than never releasing that photo because you're spending so much time perfecting it. Right. Yep. Yeah. But by the way, Simone and I, uh, we share different renders because we are trying to mimic the 3D printing texture. So we don't even need to hack and, and render like the toolpath because yeah. that's something there are YouTube videos around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in some cases, we can simply render it with a smooth texture. Like the product, it will have a texture, but yeah. 
if you are making a, a part for a car, no one's going to see it. It, it simply needs to, to be functional and not break. Then it's good enough. You, we, you don't even need to, f to try to mimic the 3D printing texture because that's overkill. And then you have the maker mindset. But there was something I don't even know who told me. Don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. Yes. That's, no, that's the mindset. Let's, mm -hmm. yep. let's keep it simple. And there's one very good example I want to share. If you see many products that are launched today, let, let's say the iPhone or I think it was a Ultimaker printer, mm. their launch video was CGI. They didn't even bother filming the real products. They knew people will understand this is CGI, but it's good enough to inform them that what the features are sure. or the machine size. Sure. And when you watch it, you don't you don't even think, oh, this is CGI. I don't like it. Then why do we as makers struggle so much with product photography, for example? Mm -hmm. Let's do renders, and that's it. Let's keep it simple. You know, I, I agree. And I think ultimately it's going to depend on what it is. But I think you have to stop and ask yourself, is what you're doing necessary? Exactly. Like you said, perfection is, what's the saying? Perfection is the enemy of good or something something to that effect. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about that at Minimum Viable Product yep. as well. Yeah. Um, and that's so true, you know? So just make sure that you're stopping for a second because we get so wound up in the process. Stop and analyze, like, is this necessary? Could I be doing it with another technology and and it and it be good enough and and you're absolutely right is the render because no, nobody needs to see the exact texture and it, you're never going to get it right anyway right it's all dependent on yeah. lighting everything can be tricks that probably a lot of people mm -hmm. don't realize it's a just a render even and so if that you know if, if you're that close then that, that shouldn't be the focus talk about the features talk about the benefits talk about the problem you're solving for people right exactly <laughs> yeah that's don't. our goal when we launch a product yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, excellent, uh, excellent goal to have. Uh, guys, I want to thank you in the chat. Uh, again, if you're listening back and want to join us, uh, feeding us questions from the chat, we do this on YouTube every Friday at 9 a.m. Uh, if you're late with us, uh, I say Chris is with us late. Yes, we've been talking about product design and all that stuff. Make sure you watch back. Uh, mm -hmm. Augustine has some really good little nuggets in there that he's been offering. It's been a great uh, conversation. And um, what what else? I mean, let's let's talk about design for a second, if we can. And you've done a lot of stuff, uh, like I said, Augustine, that that is just for fun, right? That that you want to do. Yeah. And let's not gloss over how that that's an important part of the creative process. A lot of times, too, not everything you design has to be a product, right? You might mm -hmm. go out and think, you know, this is, and you, you may have just said, you know what, this, this is my artistic piece, or I'm just going to share this, you know, I, it doesn't need to be a product. Uh, how often does that happen? And how do you strike that balance? Well, well, during the last year, I've slowed down the amount of designs I make on 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 my own for for myself because they are like for for my own apartments. I there's no it doesn't make any sense to share it. Although I usually share the results on on Twitter, but <laughs> please keep doing that. We love seeing all the stuff you do, even if you don't share it with us. Yeah, but but the only way to become a better designer is mm. to design. You, by watching YouTube videos and doing nothing, yeah. you won't become a better designer. You may no. learn, no. but you won't become a better designer. So what I do on my free time as a hobbyist, I open Fusion 360, I start designing, I 3D print a part. Yep. That helped me become a better designer because it it's exercise for my brain. Right. And that really helps me when, when I have a real challenge, I need to find a new material. Most of what I know, comes from watching videos and trying to find a solution to a real problem. So mm -hmm. learning by doing, by trying. And that's why if you check my, let's say my Thingiverse account, my profile, yeah. you will notice that my first designs had crappy photography. I haven't updated that. I've, I've been thinking about doing it, but then I got better and better and better. And I keep yeah. that as a reminder that by practicing, you improve. And the reason why I actually started focusing more on product design instead of, let's say, my low-poly models yeah. was because at some point I said, okay, I may want to have a career as an industrial designer, which isn't my background completely. 
And that's why I, I moved there because I knew that was portfolio. That's allowed me to learn. Mm-hmm. I read books around industrial design, mass manufacturing, mm-hmm. around textures. And that's what got me where I am. So in some way, what I do on my free time and what mm-hmm. I've been sharing for free with the community was practice to what could eventually come my my career. Although I then moved to content because the content I made as, as, as sample projects <laughs> was good enough. And then I joined companies and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But um, it was practice. Yes. That's an excellent point. That's spot on. Uh, and I've yeah. heard you say this in one of your videos before too. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to paraphrase it, but um, that that one of the reasons we get so excited about 3D printing as a tool as well is that because it allows us to take that which is from our mind. We talk about doing it fast and iterate so quickly that it becomes tangible, and you start to identify those things in your mind that just don't work the same way in the real world, right? So we get excited mm-hmm. about that tool because it allow. I mean, we talk about failing fast, but it also allows us to conceptualize better and to to iterate better uh, and to get to a, a product um, ultimately faster if if that's our goal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, or to identify that you know what I was wrong. I made some bad, you know, because we can sit around and CAD stuff up all day long, but until you've got that mm-hmm. thing in your hand, it is never the same. It is never yeah. quite, you know, what it is. You get, you kind of, you know, you start to learn about the pitfalls. I think, um, uh, fix some dude, Michael in the chat, shout out, Michael, uh, has a great <laughs> point. He's like, you, you do this long enough and you start to think about the process in the design. Like he's like, I think about the overhangs when I'm printing mm-hmm. this, you know, cause I know I'm going to make this an FDM. And so I might design, we go to what we talk about as design for manufacturer, right? We start thinking about designing in a different way because we know we're going to make it this way. And what the way we would design it for a 3d printer might not be the same way we would design it for milling and, and whatnot. Have yeah. you had a lot of experience with that, Augustine, thinking about design for manufacturing? Yes, yes, of course. There, there's the, ter- the term deser- design for additive manufacturing. And of course, you need to consider the manufacturing process. That's why there are some technologies, let's say SLS or SLA, where you can you can 3D print some very weird shapes yeah. with, mm-hmm. with great accuracy. While with FDM, you need to adapt the design and sand a little bit. But Ugh. that's that's great because 3D printing is fast prototyping. and. Yes. When, 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 if you are going to make a product that's um, printed with, with filaments, with FDM, then of course you need to take into consideration the manufacturing process and the implications and optimize mm-hmm. it. On my, on my last 3D printing course, how to design a product, the main design I made during the course was a lamp. And some components are printed upside down because it's faster. Right. And, I, and, and I even mentioned that I know some features are missing and that they are missing because the extra cost of 3D printing them, extra parts, sanding, removing supports, it's like, it's not worth the it's money. Not worth mm. it no, no, no. Yeah. Here, get the FTL files if you want it, but I'm not going to sell a product. And there's also <laughs> the thing about, um, about pricing. Sometimes a 3D printed product is simply too expensive and it's like, no, I will move to, I will simplify the product and make it with laser cutting. For example, mm. yeah, or CNC, right, right tool for the job, yeah. right? Yeah, don't become so married to the tool that you're you're not willing to just identify the right tool for the right job. That's that's a great point. Um, and you <laughs> you lead. I was laughing because you know you, you you lead into the the one of my next questions for you is as a designer, isn't it frustrating that oftentimes we identify things that might just look fantastic, but just can be completely impractical to make and not worth <laughs> it, right? It would make it so expensive to make that nobody would buy it. It might be beautiful, it might look great as a rendering and all this stuff, but you're gonna spend five times as long trying to fabricate it because it's just such a wacky design, right? Well, it all depends on the marketing. If, if, if you make an amazing product, you know, it's super expensive, then maybe you can market it for a different audience mm. or add customization mm. options because that's what people pay for. But if you, yes, if you true. want to sell a, a 3d printed shoe, which you can get for $10, then why would someone buy it for a hundred? Because that's what it costs for you to make it. It doesn't make sense. But if you start mentioning parametric design, 
um, better, it's more comfortable, then people will start seeing, okay, it's not just about the manufacturing method, it's the manufacturing method offers some advantages and customization mm -hmm. is the is the main one. Like choose your color, add your name to the side of your red box, for example. Sure. That's mm -hmm. what people want today. I really, really underestimated the amount of people that wanted to do that. As I, I got, I, that was one of the things I was wrong about. Man, we do so many little custom side panels, and and people just put their identity into things. Like I never just assumed that they did because I get too into my own head. So as a designer, as a product designer, you need to, you know, spend some time, make sure you're out there understanding what the market is and not over assuming. And, and if you do just make sure that you pivot and, and are able to capture, you know, that change. I don't know, Andrew, have you come across that? Like you, you've done formulations for a lot of different things, but you probably learned mm -hmm. in this day and age that, um, you know, maybe it's not worth doing uh, ABS gloop as much because people aren't running ABS. Mm -hmm. Now Voron has changed that, but you know what I mean? Like there's, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There, there's well, going to be ebbs and flows and market changes and you need to be able to ride that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And well, so some of the most uh, interesting things happen when, uh, you know, a, a customer will use our product for their own personal use, and then they'll take it to their, uh, their, their employer and they'll say, hey, this is great. This does this solves a problem here. Can we use it for another problem uh, that we're having? And like, I, I specifically remember, you know, uh, employers, you know, reaching out to us and, or companies and saying, hey, you know, we see that you have this. Can you offer it in larger sizes? Can you offer it to us in this custom, you know, thing? And and it was like, okay, well, I, at first I discounted. I was like, oh, no one's ever going to want the bigger jugs because it's going to be too expensive. And that's how actually the bigger jugs came about. Is like, well, we actually want to purchase more and more of this product. And uh, you know, then we've also had you know companies and says, hey, can you can you make it slightly thicker for us, or could you help us in making it for this specific purpose? Um. It, and when we started kind of advertising that, that it opened up an entire new avenue of, of essentially business that that I didn't even think was possible. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, for for sure. Um. What <laughs> one more uh, one more comment I have on the on the custom because I I I have this debate with uh, other people at at Repcord about the merits <laughs> of custom as much as as people. Uh, there's always demand for that. There will always be people out there. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, you know, how much of that, like I constantly push back on, I don't want to do custom. I don't want to do one-offs. Like I've invested in creating these systems that allow us to press repeat and maximize the value of that system. And every time you have to take in a custom design that just stalls the thing out. So yes, we have tools that allow us to do just in time manufacturing and do custom work like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the most sustainable or profitable mm -hmm. means of going doing i wouldn't want to touch custom shirt making or any of that stuff um because you start to go back into the you have to do a quote workflow it's a completely different um workflow and business model where you have to price in the fact that you're not going to get every job that you're going to have to take a lot more time that's going to be a lot more labor intensive because you need somebody to do the digital asset management mm -hmm. and set it up and the tooling and all that stuff so yes, the don't just watch out for that. I would say, you know, you can fall into yeah. that trap because we have these tools that allow us to do custom, but you're going to go crazy having to pivot that many times, find the right balance. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe yep. there's a semi custom, like we started doing like those carbon fiber side things where it's like, we were kind of printing some, some regular configurations that people seem to like, um, you know, that were already out there that we would still stock. Right. So we could do batching, that you 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 can't really do batching when you're doing one-offs and stuff like that. Just just I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys have, have yeah. come across that too. Um, last topic because I know we're closing in on uh, top of the hour here, and uh, we got to let uh, Augustine go because it's getting late and he's got to get out to the discotheque. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's Friday night, right? And we can't be just cutting yes. into your social life, my friend. Um, <laughs> No, uh, uh, there was a great uh, topic brought up by our uh, very own Grant, uh, 3D Musketeers in the chat, wants to uh, just talk about open versus closed source uh, uh, with you, which I'm sure you have okay. many opinions on. And um, how does that tie to you know your product development? Because I think a lot of us in this space use it in a similar fashion where we'll do some stuff open 
and we'll do some stuff yes. closed. And that kind of allows you to, to have some of the best of both worlds and put some goodwill back into the community, but still have some of your own IP and own stuff that you can uh, keep to yourself to, to better monetize. What do you, what do you think about that? Um, well, when I first started, of course, I was too naive in terms of, yeah, let's open source everything. There's no risk. But as, <laughs> as, as you get into the industry, you realize, of course, there are some implications and that companies are investing a ton of money getting making new products. And then it makes sense to be sort of protected. Although patenting stuff or not sharing the blueprints as an open source project mm -hmm. doesn't even protect you from being copied. And that will always sure. happen. There are sure. loopholes. There are, if you patent mm -hmm. in Europe, you may be copied in the US and they may patent it there. So it's completely crazy. What, <laughs> uh, so so I, I don't have an answer for this. I respect companies that decide to, to stay open source. Although I also understand if they don't, yeah. But what I do as a maker, for example, and this is my personal case, my designs can't be used uh, for, for a, on, with a commercial purpose. Right. But I know that many mm -hmm. makers want to sell my designs and I have a lot of problems around that. Mm. And in that case, for example, on my Patreon, I have a tier where people can subscribe and they get permission to sell my designs, which is, I, I by doing that, I did it not too long ago after years of, of fighting with people stealing my designs. Yeah. I was like, if I can't win this battle, let's find the sweet spot and see how can I help you and how I can get a benefit mm, from, sure. from that situation. And how, how is when that? when it comes to companies, yeah, go ahead. I, I, just, I was I just going to say, how, to how has that worked out then over the, did you feel like that you've come to a better place by offering that Patreon tier? Well, of course, I'm not a millionaire. Um, if that's <laughs> that's the short answer, but I'm quite happy because before that, I, I I had to be the judge. I had to be the bad guy. Although I wasn't the bad guy, but I had to complain. But now, when I approach someone selling my designs, it's usually that they didn't even know they they couldn't sell it, or maybe they downloaded it, a remix which cannot be sold. Yeah, and it's good because they learn too. We, yeah. we become a mm -hmm. community instead of enemies. And that's quite positive, I think. So we, we've got to build a lot more. Um, but when it comes to a company, I understand it's not open source because it, that's not how the, the world works. Yeah. I wish, but, but it makes sense. Let's stay open. Let's continue innovating. And let's, it's easy to say when it's a small company, let's try to make the table larger, not smaller. Yep. But with big companies, they, they try to kill each other. And, and that's how it works. Mm. And, yeah. and it's it's really important as a small business, you don't get caught up in that because you're just not going to have the resources to fight that way. And so I think that your mm -hmm. strategy may change over time. But uh, I'm, as I've said before, a fan of the uh, a rising tide lifts all benches. You know, the more <laughs> that we, we support each other and find ways to work together and educate each other. That's a fantastic point. Uh, the better mm -hmm. we will be. I think I hadn't considered, but the way that you kind of phrase this is great that just by giving uh, something to point to, like, so if a lot of times people don't know, you know, because I think there's, there's a lot of people that are new and they're just like constantly just di grabbing stuff, you know, on the internet mm -hmm. as they're new to it. And they don't know what it's like to be a, a good member of the community because they're new. But if you, if you can point to them and say, Hey, you know what, if you want to do this, I, I have this option for you. You know, giving them that 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 choice gives you a great thing to point to, uh, versus just having to be the policeman. Like, no, 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 you're not allowed to do that with no solution for them. That that might work as a compromise. You're not going to get everybody. There's always going to be bad actors out there, but I think that mm -hmm. it's really smart, Augustine, that you came to that because it allows you two to be at a place where you're like, you know what. Uh, there are a lot of good people out there that are doing the right thing and that's allowing it to benefit me and them in a way. And then you feel better about not having to police it. Like you're going to miss some of it, but you're yeah. not spending too much time focusing on it. Cause that's focusing yeah. on the wrong stuff. It's, and it's the wrong energy. Mm -hmm. I talk about that a lot of the time. It's, it's so easy to get wrapped up in all the little bickering and stuff we do as a community. Yep. But, um, but, you know, when you're getting your start, you don't want to burn out. You need to surround yourself with the good and the, the positive. And being a good steward, yes. I look at open sources, you know, I'm built on the shoulders of giants. I want to give back to that which got me to where I am quickly. 
And so there are the things that we will open source, rep rack and some of the designs, and you can print your own colors and all that stuff. But there are stuff that we hold close to our chest because I don't want, frankly, I don't want to make it easy to be cloned. Um, it, it's not even that I care that an individual maker would want to make one. It's that I just don't want to hand over the blueprint because that happens all the time. So it's I think there's some protections that you want to might you might want to put in place just, you know, for that kind of thing, but it's um it's like we've been saying the entire episode, there's a balance, you know, with everything and there's no right or wrong answer and if it's not my choice, I don't criticize other people for patenting or keeping stuff. So to each their own and recognize we're all trying to make a living, survive, do all that stuff, be good members of the community, uh and hopefully we all get to a better outcome as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. wrap it all up pretty with the bow um guys we could obviously talk you know five times as long as this but we gotta we gotta call it somewhere um and yep. this has been just a great chat it's given me a lot to think about i appreciate the energy uh appreciate your time uh augustine coming here and and sharing your experience um Guys, go check him out. He's on Twitter, at Flowalistic. Go look at his website. He's got a link tree on there. He's got a lot more than just the website and stuff, too. But the website's a good spot to start if you're looking for his resources and some of the stuff that he's been involved in. A really, really smart guy when it comes to product design. And um, obviously, you can just see his eye for things is just next level. So we thank you, my friend, for joining us and, and being a part of the conversation. Thank you to everyone in the chat as well uh, for feeding us great questions. And thank you, Andrew, as always, for having such a great perspective on things and uh, humoring me with all my rambling and uh, <laughs> trying to balance it all out in, in some way. But um, <laughs> we will catch you guys next week. Uh, same bat time, same bat channel, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific on the YouTubes uh, with another great topic on d- taking your passion project to the next level uh, on Maker That Money. Uh, until then, I am Pooch with Andrew and Flowlistic. Everybody have a great yeah. weekend. Say goodbye.